0: Good morning and welcome to Crosstown. If it's your first time here, my name is Paul. And uh, we're just glad you're here joining us. We got some really cool people joining me up on stage today. We had yesterday was our CSM Games. And that's if, right. That's if, right. If you're, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're not a part of Crosstown, I'll let Brian, our youth pastor, tell you what that's all about.
1: Yeah, so what CSM Games is is, it's an epic event where three teams of students just battle it out together in these fun competition games. And uh, they score points and all that stuff. And then by the end of it, one team has the most points, and they're awarded the champion. Yeah. Wow. So, and yeah. so uh, who's
0: our champion this time?
1: Well, so last time, Toby took it with his team, Strike. Yeah. Um, but this time, we have a new champion. First, first win, Deanna, Team Flair. Yeah. Team Flair took it this time. It was, <laughs> it was epic. It was an amazing time. And I just want to say that we have uh, our youth team, our youth leaders and stuff are the most amazing leaders. They gave up their Saturday yeah, to put this absolutely. giant event together and, yeah, to minister to these students. And this is one of the ways that they do it. And wow. It
0: Congratulations, Deanna, and to your team. We're all proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great one. Thank you. Let's give it up for them. I'll tell you what, it's like five hours of doing stuff with youth you really need a permit for. Um, I mean, if you're a parent, you have to sign a burn waiver, uh, a weapon waiver. It's just absolutely a blast and a good time. You know we've been talking about experiencing the blessings of God and how the blessings of God come to us by design they're not just bibbity bobbity boos they're not just things that God just sprinkles on us and we go throughout our day but rather that most of the blessings of God come to us through a design that he has put in life that there's a way when we live In relationship with him, he's our coefficient, or as Paul said in Ephesians, as Stacy taught us, in him, through him, with him, in all things, in unity with God our Father. And that when we are connected with God, through Christ, in relationship with Christ, and surrendering to that, that the blessings of God begin to flow into our lives and begin to refresh us. So we've talked about blessings in marriage. We've talked about blessings in, in society through the gift of tolerance. We've kind of given the gift to the person that we live with, uh, the person that we even disagree with. And then last week, we talked about the blessing of success. If you're first time here, you haven't been a part of this series, let me encourage you to listen to all these podcasts, every one of them. What we learned last week from Chris about what success is, what it looks like and how to go about it, it was absolutely profound. So I encourage you, go back, listen, watch, we have it all there. And and the reason why we're doing this is not only so that we can grow in our relationship with God, but so that we can have that dew of heaven, that refreshing, in difficult times that we can have our lives encouraged and strengthened by God. So today we're going to take a look at another way that God has designed for blessings to flow into us, to refresh us. And it's called being a part of what God is doing. Uh, Being a part of what God's accomplishing around us. I could have called it, uh, I could have done a series called it uh, Serving. Or we could talk about helping others, or volunteering, or ministering, or empowering other people. All of those are different ways of describing getting involved with what God is doing in other people's lives. And when I looked at this, and I kind of stepped back from this part of the series, when I was thinking about all the ways that I've been blessed in my life, other than, I would say my marriage is like super awesome, okay? And I, I think I get a lot of blessings. To our marriage and to the principles of God in our marriage as we walk in that design. But I also think that there are very few places that you can experience personal benefit, refreshing, and I would even call it this, the God payoff. You know, you know, you invest in a stock, you know, your bitcoins or you're invested in Tesla or whatever stock it is. You, you kind of wait for that payday to come from it. And, and I know this sounds really shrewd, but you kind of at times wonder, well, what's the payoff of following God? I mean, is there a payoff? And I would say, well, that was sacrilegious even to mention if God didn't mention it himself. But there's all kinds of scriptures that God invites us to through, uh, through Jesus about the benefits of be- of Doing what God is doing and the blessings that are associated with it. That as we walk in relationship with him. But I'm thinking that there is no greater payoff that you'll experience in your life than being a part of what God's doing in another human being's life. It seems to me I've experienced more blessings that way. When combined with a Christ-centered motivation... Missionary Hudson Taylor said this, God's work done God's way by those in God's will never lacks God's supply. So, you know, if you're, if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, how do I get more of God's supply in my life? Or, or how come I don't have God's supply in my life? Well, I begin to ask myself the question whether or not I'm doing God's will, God's work, God's way. Because we have a guarantee that God will be involved with your life and supply your life as we are involved with what he's involved with. David said it this way in in Psalm 138. I love it. It's beautiful. God will perfect everything that concerns you. It's like, oh my goodness, what an incredible verse. It's such a promising verse, I have a hard time saying it out loud. You know, because as a pastor, I feel like I'm supposed to back God up all the time and kind of like prove him right. And, and so sometimes when I hear God say something outlandish like this, I'm like, come on, man, tone it back a little bit. You, you really mean it? It's like, no, God said to us that he will perfect everything that concerns us. But this isn't just, again, sprinkly, discon, uh, disconjointed dust that flows down on all human beings. But this comes out of <clears throat> a context of relationship with him. I mean, so think about where you are right now. You're thinking about your high school student, your college student, your finances, your health. You're thinking about your investments. You're thinking about your home. You're thinking about termites. You're thinking about COVID. You're thinking about all those other things. And you say, well, how can I get myself in a place where God would be concerned about everything that concerns me? I mean, he's already concerned about you as a person, but that doesn't mean he's really necessarily concerned about how your pool operates or uh, when the tires need to be uh, changed in your car. It's like, but how do I get God involved in everything? It's like, well, this is the way is that when you throw yourself into his kingdom, his kingdom throws itself into you. And he will accomplish all the things, everything that concerns you. I'm excited about this. You know why I'm excited about this verse? Because you know what concerns me? The New England Patriots. The New England Patriots concern me. <clears throat> and, and I'm going to serve more this year just so that Cam Newton can have a better year. You say, well, that's outlandish. Well, he said he would, cons- he would perfect everything that, that concerns me. So, but really, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's like, if you want to be in that spot where God can bless your life, where God can refresh your life, strengthen your life. God is looking to do it. He is literally looking to do this you don't have to talk him into it second chronicles 16 9 says this this is what god's doing in he- one of the things that he's doing because he's, he's like a drummer he can tap here he can do this and do that at the same time and, and be bob his head at the same time well what's god doing with his head right now i'll tell you what he's doing he is the eyes of the lord range or go to and fro throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him he's like he is looking for somebody to pour resource in. I mean, wouldn't you like to find that guy's, I think we call it grant writing in the United States. You know, you write a grant, try to convince some big individual, some organization to put money into your issue. And, and, and the Bible tells us that God is looking for around. His eyes are going and saying, listen, I got a lot of stuff up here. You know, I got to cram back and I got... Three of those little rent places where I got all my stuff in that storage shed. I need to get rid of some of my stuff and I want to pour it out on somebody on the earth. What would position that person in order to get God's strength, God's power, God's resources? It's like uh, somebody totally, fully committed to me. Somebody, not just somebody who bowed their knee and accepted me as savior, which is a great place to start. A must place to start but also that it's committed that their work is my work and that my work is their work. You know, and that God wants to bless that. So here are some of the ways we can be blessed by helping others out. Because again, we're a payoff nation. You know, we invest in what we think that's gonna pay off. And so I'm about to talk to you about volunteering or helping others or ministering or, You know, empowering others. You could use whatever phrase that you want to use it. Well, what's the payoff for you? And that's good because God has an answer to that question. First of all, it does this. It shows God that you can be trusted with more. I mean, Jesus is about to tell us this familiar parable uh, that, that really communicates how blessings cascade into more blessings in your life. And a lot of us, we want more, but we're operating like this and trying to, and Chris taught us about this last week, is, is like we, we have ours and mine and, and, and this, and, and God wants to pack more into this hand, but we're maybe too afraid, maybe too self-interested, I don't know what it may be, but we end up clinched like this, COVID, the economy, racism, racism, uh, Whatever it may be, somehow we just get anxious, and we close up, and, and that's how we end up, and, and nothing can get in the hand. So this parable is going to talk about how God can get more in your hand through what you do in other people's lives. Matthew 25, 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who, who's about to go onto a journey, who called his owned slaves and entrusted them his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and each of them according to their own ability. That's really cool. I, you need to catch that part, because he didn't wait until everybody was a millionaire. He didn't wait until everybody had been to Bible college. He didn't wait, not everybody knew how to speak Greek. Not everybody had the same amount of money, and I'd run into way too many people that really want to help the poor, that really want to help the church. Pastor Paul, if you'll just pray for me, I got a multi million dollar deal that's going down on my landscape. I mean on my property. And if, if I get this, I'm gonna I'm gonna tithe to the to Crosstown. And if you'll just pray that God will make this deal work, I'm gonna tie to Crosstown. And I'll be like, uh well, do you tie to Crosstown now? No. Yeah, I'm not gonna see any of that money. Okay? It's like, well, I wanna be a philanthropist. I just tried to a a philanthropist. I want to give money and help poor and enable things like you know, it's like, okay, well that's cool, I'll pray for that. Are you helping the poor right now with your one talent? Or or are you gonna wait for five talents? you know, and so this parable, is, he calls them all in, everybody. So everybody's represented in this room, no matter of our social, economical uh, position or status or influence in the world. All of us have been called into the room and the master's talking to us. Okay, you all can make a difference. With that, I've given every one of you, some of you five, some of you two, some of you one, but I've called you all in here because I want you to be about what I'm about and invest in it. And then he went on his journey Immediately. Don't underestimate the power of the word immediately, because, man, that's somebody that's like, God, you, you tell me what you want me to do. I'm, a, I'm after it. The problem is, is in between the immediate not the immediate, what do we do during that? Um, well, maybe, maybe I got to tone this down a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe it was more metaphorical than practical maybe he doesn't really want me to stop and change tires on, on cars broken down on the the road maybe it was kind of like a spiritual change tires i'll just pray for them while i drive past them you know but i love it this guy was like no i'm not gonna let anything talk me out of this i'm not gonna let anything get into my head other than the master's will immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them gained five more talents in the same manner the one who had received two talents gained two more i mean this is, this is cascading into something good. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, we don't, well, we, we are about to find out about this, and, and maybe we're like this, maybe we're like this last guy, and, and all the reasons sound really good. You're gonna hear his argument. Now, after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled their accounts. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. Now, I want you to hear that. This is the top performer getting the top amount of money returned. And listen to what the master says. Well done, good and faithful slave. It's like, okay. Okay. That's it, I mean, that's, that's really good. Um, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things, enter into the joy of your master. It's like, I can trust you with stuff. I can trust you with influence. I can trust you with position. I can trust you with, with, with stuff in the world because I know you'll do my business with it. Also, the one who had received two talents, came up and said master you entrusted two talents to me see I have gained two more and his master said to him well done good and faithful slave huh wait a minute wait a minute that's what you said to the top performer you're saying this to the middle performer it's like because it's not about that it's about what you have been given and what you do with it but the salutation and the gracious response, the benefit, uh, you know, the, uh, what he says over this man is exactly the same thing that he said over the guy that made a lot of money. See, it's not about he with the most toy wins. No, this is about whoever uses what they've been given for what God is invested in, they win. So if you're waiting to be a millionaire so that you can become influential in the kingdom of God, yeah, yeah it's, it's just not happening. Um, if, if you're waiting to become a Bible scholar before you run a small group across town, it's not gonna happen. If you're gonna wait until I ask you to come up on stage and share your testimony or preach a message before you get involved in ministry, it's not going to happen. But it will start wherever God has you, that right where you are right now, that you can make a difference. And it's based upon your, your response to the talent that you have been given that will determine the level of blessing you'll experience in the future. So your level of blessing, it's in your hands. It really is in your hands. And the one also who received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gather where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. See, this isn't about... If you have more, you're supposed to do more. You know, this isn't some, you know, anti-capitalism message. This is all about the personal responsibility of every Christian to yield their lives for what God is doing at all levels. And isn't it crazy? The, The guy technically poorer was the stingier guy. We always label in America rich people as the stingy people. Yeah, it's just really weird. It's it's this guy that that's super scared, super scared. That reminded me of like a 1970s disco, so super freak. Yeah, that's why. I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I'm ADD, and my mind can go a lot of different ways. Um, so he says to him, "You wicked, lazy servant." Ooh, wow. Now the salutation has changed, hasn't it? I, um, you knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take from away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. It's like, does that sound totally unfair? Absolutely not. This guy can't be trusted with one. Why, why, why would the master invest in him? He's like, no, give it to the guy that I know that's going to do something with his life. See, and a lot of us are robbing ourselves of some of the greatest blessings of our lives is because because we're just not willing to open this up. We're not willing to get involved in what God's involved with. Now, you may ask, well, this sermon is all about money. This really should be a tithing sermon. and I'm going to push back on that. No, it's not. This message, this parable is all about investing in what the master invests in. That's what it's all about. We didn't get a lot of details. We just got this idea of they got a resource, they invested it. We're not told exactly what they invested in. We don't know if it's tractors. We don't know if it's land. We don't know if it's cattle. We don't know if it's websites. We don't know what it is. All we know is that they know what the master invests in and they entered into that investment. So let me ask you, the only thing we have to figure out today is what does the master invest in? What is God our Father investing in on earth. Anybody wanna shout it out? People, absolutely. He came in his son, Jesus Christ, to save the world. And it's all about people. The business of God, doing what God is doing is being involved in other people's lives. That's where you make your investment. See, like Jesus, we are called to leverage our advantage, whether it's one talent, two talents, or five talents on other people. It's just like the illustration that we get from physics. Fun with fulcrums. You know the book I wrote? Uh, Fun with fulcrums. And and that the the fulcrum is like this picture here we have of of, uh, a seesaw. And the part in the middle is the fulcrum. And you can slide and move that. And if you move it in different positions, it will determine the amount of leverage you have on the object that's opposite you. So we have to decide if we are going to insert our potential, our resources, our money, our time, our, our servanthood, our ministry, all those words that I used, if we are going to put the, the, the fulcrum underneath the platform of our lives. See, all of us have a platform. The question is, are we going to put a fulcrum under it? Because now we're talking about elevating somebody. See, lifting up others also leads to reciprocation. That's when you lift up other people, it just seems to God work this incredible design that, dang, you get lifted up too. You lift up a person, you get lifted up too. It just seems to be this beautiful thing. But a lot of us will go about trying to elevate ourselves. And this little girl shows us that it really doesn't work. I mean, we don't really need, I mean, if that was my little granddaughter, I'd be running towards the, the seesaw as fast as I could and like, Ireland, no, 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 because we all know what's going to happen. There's only one thing that can happen. The higher she climbs, the harder she's going to fall. See, because she's unwilling to pair herself with this process of being involved in other people's lives. She wants to do this, have this experience on her own, and she's going to find herself spitting out sand. One of the other blessings that comes is the fact that it restores meaning and purpose within your life. When you serve others, it just kind of jacks you up a little bit. Um, We use a word in the Christian circle a lot, which I think is really inappropriately used because it kind of divides people from ministry not ministry it's the word called um the way that meaning and purpose are restored in our life is has something to do with this call i see calling not as a vocation but as the voice a literal voice a call invoking purpose in our lives by speaking to our souls there are times when God will call us, speak into our soul to get involved in another person's life. And that call's going out constantly to all uh, God's children, that he's calling to them to get involved into another person's life. It's not just the call to salvation. It's not the call to become a pastor or to become a professional minister. It is the call of God calling into our souls to connect with another human being. Paul said it this way in Galatians five thirteen: For you are not called to freedom, brethren, only do, uh, no, I'm sorry. You were called, because it didn't sound right, did it? You were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh or for self, but through love serve one another. That's what the call is. So I got to think it works like this, and I know this sounds kind of really existential or somebody asked me after the first service if I was a new age preacher because I used this example, but I'm still gonna use it and I'm not a new age preacher. Um, the is harmonic balance. The call goes out like, like a piano tuner hits that little tuning fork on the edge of the table and it, and there's a string on that piano, not all the strings, but there is a string and I don't know which one it is, but there's one of the strings that will resonate. And then from that string's position, in its harmonic response to the hitting of the tuning fork, all the other ones will be tuned from it. See, the call of God goes out, and it's like, and it's calling to every soul of every human being. And when we respond to the call of God to get involved in the lives of other people, what do we all of a sudden the, the note comes forth into the auditory uh, experience uh, realm. You're able to hear the note now. You barely could hear it on the tuning fork, but when it hits that string, all of a sudden we hear it. See, that sense of harmonic balance in you is the sense of purpose and meaning. You feel it. I matter. I'm not just a carbon-based life form. I'm good not only for the planet, I'm good for the people on the planet. I'm resonating with the very purposes of God. I'm resonating the call of God. So let me just ask you, are you resonating this? Um, this? This might be the line that actually got them into the New Age thing. <laughs> okay, now I see it. Uh, I saw it my notes. Yeah, this will, this will throw you over. Um, you will never be more godlike than when you respond to God's call in other people's lives. Yeah, yeah, we're all there now. Okay, so you'll never be more God-like, not God, God-like, than when you respond to the call of helping other people. You want to you wanna know what Jesus felt like when he healed people? You want to feel what Jesus felt like when he raised people? You want to feel what Jesus felt like when he talked to people who were depressed and lonely? And all. You, can, you can feel that feeling. It can resonate in your soul um, when you serve another human being. All of a sudden, you're like, dang, I'm a big deal. I mean, it's like, whoa. I mean, have you ever had that feeling? I hope you. I mean, I have a hard time doing a good thing for another human being and not finding another human being to tell. I want my piano string heard. You know, I'm on a... You know, just want to... Hey, I changed somebody's tire today. On Facebook, there's a picture of me changing the tire. You know? And it's like... That's why he said, hey, if you do good works, do it in quiet, don't share it with everybody. But I know why you want to share it, because it just buzzes you so awesome that you just wanna tell another person. It's amazing. So another thing about serving others and is a blessing by restoring the vitality of your health and uh, psychology. Research has been done in numerous places, Duke University, Harvard University, all the big John Hopkins, all the big schools have done research showing over and over again that people who engage in the lives of other people and help other people seem to do better psychologically. That if you battle with depression, and, and I've been there, when you battle with depression and you lay on your bed or you stay in your room, it, it just seems to just eat you up, doesn't it? You know, and, and yes, we go and we'll get a medication to kind of help us. But we all know that it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's holding something back. It's not like totally fixing the problem, but it's kind of and it's like, well, do you, do you got a depression buster? I, I will say I do have a depression buster. It's being involved in another person's life. Ma- yeah, having another person depend on what you do in their lives. That is just it's it's funny. It just kind of like heals your brain. Uh, It heals your physiology. Uh, And we've got data to show that it restores vitality to your life. Ministering blesses you by connecting you with something bigger and something eternal. You discover that you're a part of something as big and eternal as God. God. Oh, here's the part that they thought that was new age. Okay, I, I, I'm going to realize that if you, if you decontextualize me at any time, I, I, I'm like the worst. But it's, it's called being a part of the eternal we. Yeah, you can see how that threw them off. It's like, no, it's the eternal we. You know, you work for a corporation. And this is the way it goes down. I worked for Santa Cooper for a while. And, and I remember how it is, you do your 20 years and, and you come in for, you know, you, uh, if you walk like that, you, you come in and you, you, they have a party for you. And, and some guy or some gal is responsible for getting the cake and they go to Bilo's and, and it's like, congratulations. And they squeeze out the icing under the cake and it says, Jim, congratulations, you're retiring. Okay, and then you pack up your stuff in a box and there's two guys in the back there are drinking coffee and, and, and your boss couldn't make it because he's out golfing someplace, but we're having a little party for you at your graduation and then uh, they put all your stuff in a box and you're heading out the door to your car and now the other two guys were fighting over your cubicle because it has a view. And uh, back in my days it had one of those really cool phones that could do everything because that was big back then and you got a beeper at the same time. But it was a really big deal in order to have that. And then you go home and you put your box down and then six months later everybody at work gets an email saying, ah, yeah, Jimmy died. It's like, he retired. It's like, wow. You know, you're so much a part of Santa Cooper. You're so much a part of the Air Force, so much a part of your job. Part of, but you know what? It just, it ends. It's over. We're done. Maybe we present a flag at your funeral, but you maybe even get a 21-gun salute at the end. But then it's done. But what helping other people does is, collect, is connect you with the eternal we. Means that you're connected to something that will transcend Retirement, transcend economy, transcend life, that it gets stored in heaven, that everything you're doing for another human being will continue on in heaven in that person or to the glory of God. It becomes a part of the collective we called the church that are a part of this incredible thing. You can't preserve your work in the earth. It's absolutely impossible, but you get invited to be a part of the collective we. And sometimes we fool ourselves about this. So when the season will start up, Cam will be at quarterback and uh, you'll talk to me, how do you feel that the Patriots are gonna do this year? And I'll go through something like this. Well, I really feel that we're gonna, we're gonna have a good year. Uh, Cam's looking better this year and some of the receivers that they put around, a couple of tight ends, that's gonna work out. You know, 8% of our defense was gone because of COVID last year. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. And I'll layer all this other stuff. But what you will have noticed is that I will have used the phrase, we. It's like, oh, we, uh, when did you take a snap? When did you kick a field goal? When did you make a tackle? When did you throw a pass? When, were you, when did you put on a jersey that the Patriots gave you? You know, when, when did you? It's like, you never. So that we is kind of made up in our heads. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, just face it, you're not really a part of the we. And so let me just challenge you here. I understand you walked an aisle. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior but do you got the eternal we flowing through your life? I'm talking about that sense of being connected to the team, really a part of what God's doing on the earth. Getting saved and going to heaven is a great thing, but there's some some time and resources in between here and there that God is looking to give somebody. And the way that we do it is to become a part of the eternal we, be a part of what, what God is doing. Another blessing of getting involved God's way is that it helps you keep things in perspective. Boy, I think that's really, with everything being masked up and all the arguments that are happening on Facebook and CNN and Fox News and politics, need I go on? I'm getting exhausted just listening to it. It's like you can really lose perspective in life. But the moment you invest in another human being's life, it sounds, it's all of a sudden, Bam! You know, it's, it's almost like you become too busy to get caught up in superfluous stuff that you don't need to be a part of. I mean, it's like you're all of a sudden connected to something, something big, something real. And if I tell you right now, if you're, if you're like scared to death of COVID, and I understand, I mean, it's like soaring in the United States if you're scared to death of racism, if you're scared to death of Democrats, if you're scared to death of Republicans, if you're scared to death of Trump, if you're scared to death of inflation, if you're scared to death that you can't buy a house, if you're scared to death of what's gonna happen to your kids, I'm telling you, the antidote is not sitting around Googling everything on WebMD, trying to figure out what's going on with the world or every secret plot or conspiracy theory or who won the election I, you want your soul healed? Get involved in what God's doing. Screw the rest of it, okay? I mean, wear your mask, but, you know, uh, other than that, I mean, I, you see what I'm saying? It, it, it brings perspective. It brings meaning. It, it, it connects us to something eternal. You know, I, it was just about three years ago that I finally got a new perspective from God. See, the perspective was, is that, okay, I'm in my 60s now, you know, I'm supposed to be the pastor of the biggest church in Charleston. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, I see, uh, uh, and so you go to the next thing, you go, well, I want Crosstown to last forever. I want to build a legacy in this city and in this church at this location. You'll hear a pastor say, this, I want to be a legacy so much that, that you know, after I'm gone, I turn it over to another pastor and Crosstown will go on, and that's what my life's about. <gasps> what a disappointment. Building floods three times. You know, I mean, it's just like God showed me, really? That's, what, that's your collective we? Is that the name Crosstown? goes on for another 10 to 20 years, your collective we is up there. Your collective we is hidden in Christ. Your collective we is embodied in the people that you minister to. It's not whether or not your 501c3 continues for another 20 years, and my oil painting is on the side of the wall over there. You know this church is big frame oil painting. Some guy back in the 1900s founded this church, you know, and it's it's like yes, and the the gymnasium's named after him. Or you can be connected to something eternal. I'm so sorry. If you came from a church like that, they were probably wonderful people back in the 1900s. And they were serving God in their generation. And oil paintings were good for them. I want something holographic. You hear me? When I'm dead and gone, I want a hologram that you walk in and there I am and, you know, hey, welcome, you know. So all that aside. Okay, so get your focus back. I love this blessing from volunteering to help others. It reduces the angst in the world. I I picked the word word angst because it's just like a, it's something that gets caught in your throat. You don't normally say it. We all know what anxiety feels like. We all know what heaviness is feeling like. We know what worry feels like and difficulty. And we've all experienced loneliness and helplessness. When you take all that and you put it together and you drink it and it gets caught in your throat, it's called angst. It gets stuck right there. When you serve other people, when you give into the world, doing what God's doing, you reduce the quotient of angst in the world. You know, most of us that argue against the existence of God our number one complaint, the only complaint, there's no scientific complaint, no philosophical complaint, just we have a moral argument against God, is that if God, if you're so good, why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much angst in the world? God's like, yeah, I don't like the angst in the world either. But I have a design through which I will angst-bust the world. It's my people getting involved. And I'm looking every single day for a man or a woman whose heart is totally mine, that's totally committed to what I'm doing, and I will pour blessings in their lives to overcome the angst. See, if there's angst around us, it's our calling to get involved with it. And when you help somebody, maybe you're not f- directly you know, on the other side of the earth you're helping you know, somebody in China, um, I don't know if they're directly around the other side of the earth, but you know what I mean, the butterfly effect. I don't know if it's totally like that, but I do know this, that when you help somebody in your community, your family, in the world around you, your neighborhood, you are lowering the angst quotient. And people are, are anxious today. They're, they're broken today, they're lonely. They, they feel like they're scared to death. And how do you lower that? Is that you invest in their lives. And when you reduce that angst in their lives, it brings joy to your heart. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm a bigger Star Trek fan, no, no, Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, it's down there kind of low. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, it's a little bit low. I would, I would, um, I would be, uh, a- any sports movie that would be above that, okay? So, um, but let's get back to Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a really cool movie. It's a movie of angst. That's what they should have called it. Uh, they should have called it 18 hours of angst. That we're going to throw all this stuff in front of these Two little hobbits, the particularly two Sam and Frodo, and we 're just going to see I mean we 're going to put them through a blender we 're going to put them in a trash compactor we're going to bring up orcs out of the mud we 're going to have NARS ghoul come down out of the sky and try to get them we're going to get them stuck with a sword uh, that turns them into like this, and then we're going to run into this giant spider that's going to bite them and wrap them up and it's like by the time it's all over with I mean eighteen hours of that you're like, "Oh my goodness, what do you feel?" you're feeling angst. Well, I'll tell you what ticks me off. is In in the Lord of the Rings, the last movie, uh, Return of the King, at the end of the movie, Frodo is laid on the line a gazillion times, Sam's had to carry him, and all of a sudden they're laying on these boulders, and and this happens. These eagles show up to rescue Sam and Frodo. I'm like, oh, really? You're going to show up now? So you can fly over Mordor, you can defeat the Nazgul. We could have started the whole movie off with, hey, we got this ring, somebody call the eagles. Eagles come, get the ring, fly over Mordor, fly over Mount Doom, which had the big hole in it because of the volcano, drop the ring in there and everybody in the shire is drinking beer for the rest of their lives and nobody dies, okay? But the eagles did not want to get involved. Now, if you're a Tolkienian, you're gonna to probably tell me afterwards, just like my daughter. Well, you know, when Tolkien wrote about it, that they were under the authority of this and they were under that. And they <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yes, I just mocked my daughter. She's a Tolkien. She's been fighting for Tolkien ever since she knew about my notes, and I was gonna dog out the birds. But the point is this: is that a lot of us as Christians are waiting for God to change America. God bless America, land that I love. You know, that's a great prayer. Okay, that doesn't reduce any angst in the world. When you and I get involved in another person's life, wherever they are, whatever level, if you're a one talent, two talent, or five talent person, we reduce the angst. That's how God blesses America, is by his people doing what god does god's way and god supplies and as a result of it you get blessed paul sought and gave relief around him i loved it he he always loved reducing the yanks romans 1 11 he said i long to see you so that i may impart to you some spiritual gift i can't wait to see you because i want to give you something something that will help your soul But then listen to what he says, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by our other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul's like, hey, I can't wait to come, guys, because I just want to, I want to build you up, I want to encourage you, I want to establish your faith, I want to just bless you. And he says, oh, by the way, I'm also coming so that, because I got my own angst, and I want my angst to go away and you got the ability to reduce my angst quotient. So I can't wait to be around you because I know I'm gonna give into your life and you're gonna give into my life and it's gonna reduce the general angst in our community. The last blessing I will mention is that it creates a community of support around you that may one day rescue your life by serving others. It's crazy. This is probably the craziest story Jesus tells in the Bible. Because you're wondering, this seems so counterintuitive to the Christian message and to the idea of the kingdom. But he tells us, and it's got to do with something about being shrewd. Luke 12, verse 1. Now, Jesus was also saying to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called the manager and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management for you can no longer be manager. That's a real sobering thing to have said to you, especially if it's God. But give account for your management of your stuff, your time, your service, what I've invested in. He said, but you no longer can be a manager. So the manager walks out and says to himself, what shall I do? since my master is taking the management away from me. I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I love this guy. He's like, look at my fingers. I can't dig. I can't, I got a bad back. I can't dig holes and I'm too proud to beg. He's like, you know, it's like, I got no real tangible service that I can make money from. So he takes a different perspective on how can I invest in somebody else's life and it will invest back into my life. Remember, Jesus is telling this story. This is not Peter Drucker or some American management, Tony Dobbins, or somebody trying to tell you how to network so that you can get more money. This is Jesus telling this story. So the manager summoned each of his master's debtors and he began saying to the first how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, well, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill, scribble it out and write 80. Now listen to this part. This is the part that blows my mind. And his master Praise the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. Jesus is telling a story about the kingdom of heaven. He's like, This guy who's unrighteous knew how to work it. It's like you give into somebody else's life, you help the burden of somebody else's life, and they're going to want to help your life. If you're lonely here today, if you feel like nobody cares about you today, if you walked in here and expect to see the pastor and talk to the pastor and, and that, you know, I'm gonna dispose, um, dispel some sort of incredible blessing and you're gonna walk here magically, and you're, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's whether or not we decide, listen, I really want friends. I really, I really don't wanna be alone. I don't wanna be stuck in a terrible situation. We had one of our elders um, got COVID uh, last week, and his wife got COVID, Alan and Susan. Well, S- Susan became deathly ill and had to be taken to the emergency uh, uh, place at, at the hospital, and, and I mean, I believe for a few hours was fighting for her life. Um, the amazing thing was, is that I was am- immediately able to contact the elders of our church, the staff of our church, the prayer team of our church, and we were all praying. Uh, me and Susan drove over to their house, and even though we couldn't meet with them, meet with him, uh, we just went up to the porch and laid our hands on their house and prayed for them that way. I took a picture of it so that he could knew that it was being done, because sometimes you need to know that there's somebody on your behalf. I was able to call uh, the director of Roper St. Francis Hospitals and let them know, hey, by the way, one of our brethren and our sister are in the church. He was able to take a look into the situation. It's like, well, that's just because it's just because you're part of the 1%, Pastor Paul. No, it's not. It's not because I was given five talents. It was because we invest in people. And there are some times that person that you change their tire, they're going to change your tire too. And if you feel alone out there, it's not just because people are selfish. Maybe you're just getting a harmonic feedback that's saying, you know, you really don't, you're alone because you, you don't invest in other people's lives. There is a proverb that says, if you want to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. So Jesus is telling this parable. The master is absolutely blown away. He's getting ripped off, but he doesn't care about that. He's just impressed with this guy being so shrewd. But here's what Jesus says. The sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwelling. It's like, listen, this stuff that's unrighteous, like money and houses and cars and property, stuff that's not eternal, basically. He's like, use that stuff. Why? because you'll be a part of the collective we in heaven said so that will last forever your generosity will be remembered the stuff that you used no that will be disappeared and he's saying the sons of the sons of the earth know how to network I mean, you know, linkit.com, whatever that email thing is. It's like you're kind of linking and connecting people so you can get people that, you know, know about your business, you be in their business, you buy from them, and then you put their logo up and all this other stuff. Jesus is saying, you know why they're doing that is they're investing in each other's business so they all can get rich together. And he says, that's shrewd. That's smart. He said, I wish the kingdom, of the, uh, the kingdom of God would operate like that, that you would invest in each other's lives and therefore store up a rich, riches in heaven by investing in each other's lives. Ungodly people do it, but yet we're not investing in other people's lives. We are robbing ourselves of, of blessing. I'm gonna say this, and again, maybe this is where they got that thing from. Uh, don't, don't take this wrong, but serving, getting involved, ministering, helping, volunteering, whatever you call it, may actually be the most self-serving, yet unselfish thing you will ever do. Who would have ever thought self-serving and unselfish could be paired up into a virtue? It's like, I'm just gonna tell you flat out that when you help another person, you could have not done anything better to feed yourself than to feed someone else. It is a, it is a self-serving, yet unselfish thing to do when we, like Hudson Taylor said, that we do God's will, God's way, God will supply into your life so that you can do God's work. This is beautiful. Um, God is looking to bless us in so many ways. So if you want to be blessed, it's time to get involved in the kingdom of God. You say, well, what do I got to do? Volunteer? Well, you could use that word. Uh, Minister? You could use that word. Help others, you can do that. Can you do it here at Cross Absolutely. You know, when you open the door for somebody when they come in and you smile and welcome them, I'm telling you, you're lowering the level of angst in her life. When my wife and her team right now are watching a bunch of little children, you know, and for an hour, your angst is lowered so that you can hear from God. The music that Ricky and the team play, oh, they are secret songs now. They're part of my new age movement. <laughs> the, 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 these, these, these songs have been picked perfectly to provide musical, visual, and contextual words to put you in connection with God because it's real. Why are we doing this? One, so that you can talk to God, so that God can talk into your life. But as a collective we, so that the level of angst in the room drops so that we can hear God, the harmonic balance resonates in our lives, and we go into the world and be the light of the world. It's like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. It's called blessings by design, in Him, with Him, through Him. That's how it all works. If you like the verse, God will perfect everything that concerns you, you know what your next step is. We're kicking off small groups in our, like a month or so. So we'll be asking for small group leaders. We need volunteers to do different things at different levels. You don't have to have five talents. You could have one talent. You could have two talents. All of them are good and faithful things to do. I'm telling you, it will bless you. Maybe your service will be outside the walls of this church. It'll be in the community. But if you want to do the best thing for you, your health, your mind, your angst get involved in another person's life and the blessings of god will come my prayer is this lord we have been starving ourselves by ignoring others we're in a culture that's fighting everyone and the blessings of god are lifting off of america it is time for us to bring blessings to people around us we have been telling God no, only to find out today, the only one that felt the impact of our no was us. Because when we said no to God in working in another person's life, we said no to God working in our lives. This is big. I want blessings. I want the best that God has to offer God's got stuff, spiritual stuff, whatever stuff he's got up in there and he wants, he's looking for somebody to give it to be honest with you. I'm shrewd enough. I'd like it. It's like, okay, Paul, serve, give volunteer, be involved in other people's lives and you just watch, I will accomplish those things that concern you and I've been I'm 62 years of age. I've been through adversity, difficulty, divorce, hardship, addictions, all of it. And I stand here 62 years later. Doggone it. (laughs) If he hasn't accomplished every single thing that concerns me. I'm a part of the collective we. The patriots don't know who I am, but the God of heaven does yeah i'll wear that jersey father thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives and i thank you for this incredible invitation god you're you're just excited you're you're positioned you're, while you're tapping your foot and playing the other thing with your other hand and this with the other hand your eyes are going back and forth looking to do something in a person's life to bring a blessing into a person's life looking for us to respond to you. So today, we position ourselves. We have heard the call. And now, as we come to the table of Christ, we eat the bread, we drink the cup, we remember that Jesus is the tuning fork, that you're calling us to bring that life to other people around us. So Father, as we reaffirm our faith through communion, we are also reaffirming reaffirming your calling for us to light up the world.